welcome to a very special episode of Terrace House Mafia. I'm Nick. I'm Noelle. And this time around, we have a guest for the, the first time ever, I think. Um, a very, very special guest who is actually joining us from in from the production staff of, of Terrace House, I guess you could say. Um, today, we're joined by Angie Yaeyama, who is a translator and interpreter and and handles localizing the English language subtitles that if you're listening to this, you probably have seen on Terrace House. So Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, y'all. I'm so glad to be here. I wanted to kind of do a, a bonus episode with you to just talk about how you wound up localizing for Terrace House, how it works, like whether or not there's a team or if it's just you. Like I have so many questions, I almost don't know where to start. But I guess if you could just <laughs> give us like your personal background and and how you got into the translating and localizing business. Okay, well, I got into translation totally by a fluke. Um, I'm originally from Japan, and I'm half African-American and Japanese. And mm. I, I stayed there till I graduated high school. And while I was there, I was kind of like in and out of English-speaking schools and Japanese schools. So that's the bulk of my language background. And I didn't think of picking up translation until much later in life, I've been working in it for about three years at this point. Mm. And um, I was doing improv for a long time. Oh, whoa, like com- comedy improv? Yeah, like theatrical improv in Austin. Whoa, that's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so it was actually, I was doing this thing called an improv intensive, and it's like a crazy week where you do improv from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, and, and then you do another like uh, jam session after that, and everyone hangs out. It's just insanity. But during this time, I had a, a friend who teaches Japanese in town, and he got this invitation to do subtitles for a UFC show where there was a, a Japanese flyweight uh, athlete, and they were featuring him on that reality TV show. Um, but my friend, he didn't want to do that job, so he was like, do you want this? So while I was doing this crazy improv intensive, I was also like going home and doing those subtitles. And I'd never done anything like that. So I was just throwing myself into the job. Wow. But <laughs> I enjoyed that job so much. Like I got really invested in this guy's story. And uh, I just thought, you know, I want to do more of this. So I started looking for ways to do that. And what I found was there are like third company or third party companies that handle translations for a lot of these bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And so I just contracted with a few of those at first and just started getting experience like that. So I really just threw myself into it. I don't have any formal like uh, Japanese certifications or anything like that. And I've learned on the job so far. Wow. I guess you just have to naturally be smart, though, and understand kind of the cultural differences and stuff. Well, I think that's one of my strengths is even though I don't have like the level of grammar to like translate law or medical material. Mm-hmm. I do have this background of growing up in Japan and kind of understanding the cultural differences, mm-hmm. um, at least between America and Japan. And so I think that's one of my strengths, especially for a kind of show like Terrace House. Yeah, for sure. It also seems like a thing that would be almost impossible to, to teach. Like you need this this really nuanced understanding, not only of, of Japanese conversation, but of American conversation. And something that no- Noelle and I have been continually impressed by in this show is the way that the subtitles to us seem to reflect how people in their 20s roughly talk in, in mm-hmm. like the United States. Like, um, I, I think, I don't know why this is always the example that I think of, but <clears throat> there's a scene where, uh, where, where one character is asking another character out on a date, really like trying to be casual about it. And the the way that the subtitles translated is, she says, "Yeah, that sounds good. I'm down." And I'm like, "That's exactly what." <laughs> like, I totally it helped me communicate the meaning in a way that a literal translation wouldn't. It was it was perfect for, for yeah. the, the scene. Is that is that sort of what you mean when you say that you have the the knowledge of of how both of these types of communication work? Yeah, I think so. The casualness of it. I really want the tone to come across whenever I'm translating these stories. And and when I watch it, sometimes I'm actually translating it in my head. So then I think like, if I was watching this couple in America, what would it sound like? And I just think of it that way. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, I'm also bilingual in Japanese and English, Mm -hmm. but I didn't spend like my high school life there. I only went to kindergarten there and I just kind of spoke it while I was in America. So when I watch Terrace House, it'll help teach me how young people talk in Japan. Yeah. So that when I do visit, it's not weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, every time I switched from American to Japanese school, 
or vice versa. That would be the thing that I needed to update myself on first is like the local lingual or like, what, yeah. are, the, what are the kids saying nowadays? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I think I'm like uh, sensitive to that of like, you know, how would this sound if I were watching it, like say on the real world or something? <laughs> yeah. And it's constantly changing too, which is probably kind of like the hard part of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so in that sense, I try not to like, we don't use acronyms in the translations. Like we don't go too hard with what's um, popular Mm -hmm. in the vernacular that's being used right now and try to make it so that a general audience can understand it. Mm. Um, Oh, so going back to your question, sorry. I finally landed with one company who took on (laughs) Terrace House and then um, at first I was just doing first editing. So basically there's a team of us that works on the translations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a translator that does the first pass and then it goes through like a couple different review processes before it gets sent back to the company to be added to the show. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so at first I was just doing the first editing and the original translator uses British English. So a lot of what I was doing was like American <laughs> English. I don't know what that is. Yeah, de-Britishifying it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was pretty heavy on my edits. Like, I was taking so much ownership. I don't know why. Like, I got really into the show. Um, And then I just, like, through doing that process, I was like, I want to be the first one to do this. And then I kind of worked my way up to it. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that's So are are you the the localization and translation lead for this whole season? Um, So I could say no at any point, but I'm having so much fun with it right now. So I feel like I want to stay on the whole season. Oh, gotcha. And and just to just to get the timeline a little clear, is this is this season your first season localizing Terrace House, or did you do previous ones as well? So I was the first editor on opening new doors. Okay, and that's when I started with Terrace House. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. But had you been watching the show prior to that? I had. I have memory of watching it when I go back to visit Japan. So I knew about it. And it was really surprising to see it on Netflix. Yeah. And I think the thing that drives me to do translation is that, like, I'm missing a huge portion of American pop culture. And Mm -hmm. people will nostalgically talk about these shows that happened in, like, the 90s and early 2000s. And I'm just like, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. And. I would love to share Japanese shows that I was watching during that time, but often the subtitles are really crappy. And so um, part of me doing this is like, I want people to be able to have a window into the Japanese culture and be able to consume more of the media um, in a way that you can actually understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah, that's a lot of the driving force of why I do this. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I understand what you're talking about because... Like shows like Kureon Shinchan, um, so, so, so. <laughs> like that in English, like dubbed, is so different from what it is in Japanese that it's a, a completely different show and it's hard to share it because yeah. it's not something I resonate with when it's dubbed. And that, particularly, that show is hard to do because a lot of the puns are so specific to the Japanese language that it's hard to translate. Yeah, exactly. I come across that in Terrace House sometimes too. I'm sure. I was going to ask about that. Like, are there are there specific things that you've encountered in Terrace House where you're just like this this joke? Because because it, it is like there's this enormous comedy component to the show, especially with the commentators. Um, mm-hmm. And the it's probably very helpful that you yourself have a comedy background. Because oh, yeah. it, it's a it's a comedy show in a lot of ways, but are there things like in the commentary specifically, I guess, that you find tricky? Because I find myself thinking about that a lot when watching them commenting. I'm like, they'll they'll for example they'll mm-hmm. they'll reference a Japanese comedian who's very famous in Japan who I have no point of yes. reference for, and they'll pop up a picture of him <laughs> and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know how yes. you. I guess in that case, you just kind of have to literally say what they're saying because you can't change that. But yeah. how do you approach translating the, the comedy component of the show? Okay, so first I'll try to portray the content of the joke uh, and see if that works. And if it doesn't, sometimes it'll just turn into a completely different joke. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully that like goes along with the story. Um, And if nothing else, I make sure to put information in there that is Googleable so that if people are interested enough, they can go to Google and look up these comedians and like 
learn about the culture that way. Mm. Ah, interesting. I, you know, another thing that I find is because I come from kind of like a video game background, like I make mostly video game content on YouTube. And I, mm-hmm. as someone who plays like a lot of Japanese games, but plays them in English, I'm, I've, I've sort of noticed over the years that there seems to be this, um, there's like a small but very vocal part of the video game audience who wants their games to be translated as literally as possible, right? Like they just want basically a, a, a very polished Google translate of what was originally said. And there's this other demographic of people that I would probably like a camp that I put myself in who appreciates like the art of localization and the art of communicating the meaning of what's being said over just the literal translation of what's being said. But that balance is, is something yeah. that's fascinating to me. It's tricky. Uh, yeah. Transliteration. If we just did that, like polished Google translate version, the story wouldn't make sense. And I don't think I would be as into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the, the show that you've, that you are making now, the, the way that it exists today is like, I, I think you've been really successful in communicating the meaning because like, without me even realizing it, my parents have gotten into Tara's house. Like, oh, so like cool. <laughs> yeah, there's people in my life who, who I don't think were very keyed into Japanese culture at all, who have stumbled onto this show and have found yeah. it approachable because of the way that it's been translated into English. Well, so you guys have been following this show for a while, right? Like, why do you think it's been exploding in the U.S.? Like, when I started working on this show, I didn't think it was going to be such a huge deal. But then it was like in 2008, it was like one of the top 10 TV shows viewed in America wow. by the New York Times. What? I was like, what's happening? I yeah, have no idea. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's super, super popular now. And I'm just like, I mean, I don't know. Do you do you have an idea of like why it's catching fire? What, Noelle, do you have any any theories about this? I mean, I think it's like the honesty and the transparency of the show compared to other reality TV that Americans are used to. Like, I'm I'm almost comforted by the characters. Like, the character development is so real mm-hmm. and so yeah. honest that, I mean, it's, like, mundane, but in the best way. Yeah, it's really, it's, I think it's pretty cozy compared to what Americans think of when yeah. they think of reality TV. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there's still drama and stuff, but the, the, the vibe of it, it's such a comfort food show. And then I also think, like, yeah. it's, it's almost yeah. on accident. It's the perfect gateway into, into... Japanese television because the existence of the commentary panel gives you like having them explain the interactions means that even an American who's never been to Japan and has no idea about Japanese culture has some context for what an interaction meant or the subtext of it. Like that is so helpful as an American. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes more sense. That's true. Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. I mean, in that sense, we do try to make the, the subtitles as well. Um, easy to understand for any audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said earlier, you like not using acronyms or like words that only the young kids might be using mm-hmm. um, and try to portray the story as truthfully as possible. Mm. You know, what's, what's interesting is I, I kind of put out a call on on like Twitter and stuff about what kind of questions people would want to ask somebody who worked on the show. And yeah. one question I got twice, and I, I suspect I know the answer, but one question that I got twice, so I think it's worth asking, is a few people were curious about specifically the translation of itadakimasu and translating that as uh. <laughs> as bon appetit and someone, someone asked why yeah. translate itadakimasu as bon appetit when it means i humbly receive and i think i know the answer but i want to hear know. i guess in your words <laughs> you know i was not part of that decision that happens sometime between i think maybe hawaii or opening new doors and i guess bon appetit is just more universally recognizable even though, like, it blew my mind, like, why are we going from English to French? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. Um, yeah, but that, that was just something that was decided in the lexicon, and I just have to use it. Mm-hmm. So there are things like that, too. Yeah, I guess you inherit a lot of decisions that were made in past seasons just to keep it relatively consistent. Are there other things like that that are, like, maybe the way honorifics work or something like that that are established in previous seasons of Terrace House that you have to carry forward into the season? Uh, let me think about it. I think I think itadakimasu was just one of those nebulous words where it doesn't quite translate into English, so we mm-hmm. needed something concise mm-hmm. that would get that message across. Things like okaidi or tadaima, I'll just say like I'm home, welcome home, and mm-hmm. they, these are things that they say a ton. Um, but yeah, we just translate that kind of straightforward. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Would you have changed the Bon Appetit translation or do you like it? 
You know, I think about that, but whenever I think of what would be a great solution to that, it would be too wordy. And so I understand why, why the team decided to do that, but it does feel weird. (laughs) Like I translate the content, but not everything that they say in the show is something that I identify with. So sometimes I'm just let left, um, like, translating content and I'm like oh I wish they weren't saying this mm-hmm. <laughs> so that happens to me sometimes <laughs> I mean I can tell you I definitely at one point in my life have watched uh I was watching like an anime show like five years ago and and Itadakimasu was translated as like rub-a-dub-dub thanks for the grub and I was like whoa that's a, that's a big that's a big leap how did you get away wow. with that um, I what show it was yeah yeah that's why i haven't i haven't found a good solution so i'm like oh, i guess bon appetit is fine it's fine it's you know i, <laughs> I kind of think it is too I, I i never really thought about what you pointed out which is that it is technically french but it is like the probably the closest analog in casual english yeah. and everybody i mean my parents know mm-hmm. what it means right if if it had been translated literally as i humbly receive or whatever i think my parents uh-huh. for example would be lost right you know, I think if I had my way, I would have wanted to just leave it as itadakimasu mm. so that itadakimasu could be as popular as bon appetit. That's probably the best solution. I would agree with you. Yeah, that's what I think. Because it is, it's just itself. There's no translation. There is no translation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few words like that in Japanese where I'm just like, I don't know. So I'll translate the intent of the character rather than transliterating the word in yeah. those instances. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, otsukare-sama, otsukare-sama is another hard that one. That one's hard, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like a cultural... Yeah. Yeah, it's just a cultural phenomenon, so you can't translate it without Can you a give paragraph. me an explanation of, of otsukare-sama? Otsukare-sama is just something you use, like, at the end of the day. Like, it literally means, like, thank you for your work or great work today. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something to, like... Uh, honor the person's input for whatever you were doing beforehand. That I would you say that Noel is that like a good yeah. description? Yeah, like when you leave work, your boss mm. and like all of your coworkers say like "otsukaresama" like as you walk out. Uh, okay. Or when yeah. you get home and you meet up with your friends after everyone's been at work, it's like "otsukaresama" like just acknowledging, I guess, the hard work of the day. Yeah, I always I, I always enjoy it, and maybe this is just me being like. A, a weird American guy who loves Japanese culture, but anytime the Japanese is subtitle is the Japanese, anytime there's an honorific that's left in or something like that, I always really appreciate it because I feel like it's like you're saying, Angie, it's increasing the, the knowledge base of the audience. It's kind of teaching them directly. I, I kind of had a fun time watching. I've been rewatching it with my family a little bit and we watched the, um, the Rewa episode mm-hmm. Uh and kind of trying to explain to my parents like what that meant, what an era was, was was kind of fun. Like it took like three seconds, and as soon as I explained it, they understood. And oh, uh, so what do your parents think about the show? I mean, they're they're huge fans of it. They've watched more of it than I have, to be completely honest. Like, wow. <laughs> they're they're huge fans of it. Um, I I, my, I think that their relationship with it is is sort of similar to mine in that it to them is just like fascinating because it's it feels like you're getting to see into a, a culture that we don't always have insight into in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think it's just like the the vibe of it is is impossible to duplicate. There's no show that feels like Terrace House to me. There's something really they've been yeah. so excited for the new season to premiere. Oh. I think maybe the closest show that people are into is British Bake Off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very peaceful, very little drama. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say the type of questions that I get from my friends are, do young people in Japan actually act like that? Like you have to confess your feelings before you date or anything? Or like, or why mm-hmm. did Shohei ask Sena to a church? Is that normal? And like, <laughs> <laughs> those are the questions that I receive. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah, so I was curious to see like what your parents thought of the culture. I so my my dad we went on like a family trip to Japan together once, but I it was so brief that I I it was in so long ago that I don't know that it like helped with 
their understanding of the show. Like my dad's, mm-hmm. my dad's relationship with Japan is anytime anyone in my family brings it up, he just talks about how much he loved like Coco Ichibanya and he would just go there every day by himself. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the extent of his relationship yeah. with, I'm kind of telling on him a little bit right now. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Imagining him like sitting at the counter next to salaryman. Just that's eating literally like so I, funny. there was one next to the hotel and I remember like walking past and just seeing him posted up in there at one point. Um, but <laughs> That's yeah. cute. I mean, I, me, one of me and Noelle's goals is to eventually have my parents on this show. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be a good get. Um, yeah. So one thing that I'm, this is maybe a kind of technical question, but I'm kind of curious about sure. the um, the production pipeline. You sort of touched on this earlier, but me and Noelle being big Terrace House fans um, actually watched the show on Japanese Netflix because we couldn't wait patiently for it to come out in America. Uh-huh. And I, uh-huh. what part of what made that so easy is that your subtitles are already on the Japanese version. So you're probably way, way ahead of all of us right now. Oh. Or how, does, how does that work? Um, I think episode 12 is available towards the U.S. audience right now, correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Something like mm-hmm. that. I'm just a few episodes ahead of you guys and just a couple episodes ahead of the Japanese audience. Hmm. Um, Mm. so I get an episode maybe once every week or once every two weeks Mm -hmm. and, and I work on it for maybe two to three days and then I pass it off for the second review and third review Mm. and then it gets sent back to Netflix. But I also think Netflix has their own in-house translators too. I don't, I'm not quite sure how that part works. Oh, interesting. Have you ever seen differences between what you turn in and what appears on the show? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because there's other people like I used to be in that position where I was reviewing and I know how much I changed the script. (laughs) So so for sure, like what what appears on screen is not 100 percent what I put my first input. And I'm okay with that because it's a more polished version. Um, And uh, but but my name is still on it, which is really weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't take credit for all of it. I have a really great team and like great project manager. How um, many translators are there total per show? That I don't know because I'm not on the managing side of it. I just get sent the projects and then I bust them out and send them back. Huh. Gotcha. It's got, there's got to be something. As someone who is a Terrace House fan like us, it's got to be at least somewhat thrilling to know that you're watching an episode of Terrace House that nobody in Japan or America has seen yet. Is that something <laughs> that you have to think about? Definitely. Like when my friends ask me, like, what's going to happen to this relationship? I'm like, do you really want to know? Or do you want me to not tell you? <laughs> I would absolutely yeah. not want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get to hold that above people sometimes. <laughs> it's incredible. So are you localizing from your home then? I am, yeah. Whoa, and actually, my, my, my manager is based in India. Whoa. So it's yeah. just like global then, the team maybe. Yes. And yeah, you're definitely. currently in the United States? Yeah, I live in Austin. Gotcha. Oh, hey, I'll be in Austin next month. <laughs> oh, really? We should meet up. Yeah, let's do it. I'll be there for uh, Austin City Limits. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hit I you up. Like- <laughs> yeah, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Angie, where in Japan were you growing up? I was born on Yokosuka Naval Base. And then I oh. grew up mainly around Yokohama. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, where were you when you were living there? Yeah. I was in Kobe. Oh, you were yeah. there during the earthquake? No, actually, I was. my mom was pregnant with me during the earthquake, but I was born in Hawaii oh. and my mom was in Hawaii. Yeah, but my grandma lives in Kobe. Yeah. Kobe is amazing. I love Kobe. It's it's really pretty. Yeah, it's such a cool, like, modernized city. Yeah, there's a lot of nature around it, too, which is nice. Yeah, very cool. That's cool, though. I've been to Yokohama a few times. I studied abroad in Tokyo, so while I was there, I went to Yokohama a few times. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of like the half half Japanese people I know like grew up there. Oh yeah, I think so. It, I I liken it to like Jersey in in relation to New York. It's a much like laid back <laughs> city. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very chill, like cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a good interpretation of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I do. I've got a question that I feel like I, I have to ask because it made me sure. laugh when I read it. And it was something that me and Noelle picked up on, too. Um, okay. there's, there's a line where, um, where Yamachan is being defensive and defensively says, quote, 
I've slept with a ton of people. I smash tons. <laughs> and I don't think this person has a specific question other than like, how did you land on I smash tons? as the, the translation for that line. Well, that was him like trying to appear like a badass. Right. And so I just thought of like, if I, well, I am kind of a nerdy kid, but like if I were a nerdy kid trying to like have a bravado, what is the most outrageous thing I would say? I smash tons, bro. Totally, you communicated that perfectly. Like that's exactly the vibe that, it, that it, he gave off in that scene. And I love moments like that because I there are moments in Terrace House every episode where I, I laugh out loud, usually at something being said in the commentary panel. And in those oh, moments, it really feels yeah. like I'm understanding him. Like, I feel like I'm laughing but, along with him. And that, to me, is, like, the hallmark of a really successful localization. Yeah, like, when characters are having an intimate, like, conversation, they kind of like each other, but they're not actually saying it to each other. And then I translate that scene into English. There's a bunch of innuendos that I, like, subconsciously type into the subtitles, and I just laugh at myself, like, oh, my God, what is my life? <laughs> <laughs> like I can't really uh, I don't remember like specific specificities at this moment but uh, yeah it's really bad my brain is I don't know my brain goes into weird places sometimes <laughs> wait I have a question too about a specific scene yeah so when Haruka and uh I think it was Shohei mm-hmm. went golfing or at the driving range yeah there was a <laughs> shot of like Haruka's butt yeah like very close up and then and then Shohei says let me hit that or something like that <laughs> like literally and I was like yeah. what yeah it was probably one of those subconscious innuendos that just made it into the show <laughs> I was like whoa yeah. that was amazing um, <laughs> no go ahead I was just gonna say there's more to come in the future episodes <laughs> oh that's so exciting um so Nora M on Twitter asks, it's usually said that Japanese is a contextual language. I would want to know uh, whether you agree and whether that has any impact on translation in general and Terrace House in particular, considering the number of speakers and the types of situations that unfold on screen. Mm-hmm. I've found that English is much more poetic and that you have more leeway in describing an idea that you're trying to express in which Japanese is more finite. Like there's uh, many variations of like a word in English, there will be a few different variations of that word in Japanese and you use them based on the situation. So maybe that's what she means contextual. Like there are different words mm. that you could choose based on that. But mm. I'm trying to get to the heart of this question. So, I mean, what I think about is when the studio audience is talking about some kind of running joke Mm. And they keep adding stuff onto it. And if you just transliterate that, it doesn't quite make Mm. sense. So in that case, I kind of have to take like creative liberty to connect the story. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, because sometimes like you and Tokui just go into this like tangent of like raunchy jokes. I'm just like, all right, I guess this is where we are now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think Tokui would be the hardest person almost for well for me, like listening to it to translate. He well, let me see. Who's like the hardest person for you to translate? Uh, the most difficult moments for me is when everyone starts talking at the same time. Mm. Uh, because mm. they have such a camaraderie in the studio and they like to like jump on each other's jokes. And then it's hard mm-hmm. to know who to focus on. Right. And then the other thing that's difficult is like the Japanese specific puns and jokes. Yeah. And I'm not complaining about this. It's like a fun challenge to translate. For sure. But it is tricky. Yeah. Not to not to put you on the spot, but are there any clear examples that jump out at you of like a specific pun or joke that uh, was was a tricky one to tackle that took you some time to kind of bring into English? Okay, so I can't go into detail because I don't think this episode is out yet, but there was an episode where people were referring to Pokemon characters. There was like a character in the house said a line like, and it it referenced a Pokemon character, but the Pokemon, they're named differently in the US and Japan. Mm -hmm. And so in in that instance, I was just like, I sent in a note to my editor, like this wordplay doesn't make sense unless it's in Japanese. What do you want me to do with it? And then the Mm -hmm. team kind of gets to decide on that and I'll, I'll go with their suggestion. Gotcha. Oh, that's really interesting. I another, (laughs) this is only tangentially related, but something that me and Noel were wondering about is um, oftentimes the, 
that we call them the peanut gallery, but the the panel um, <laughs> will they've been addressing the audience and specifically the international audience a lot lately, which has been really fun to watch. Like they seem really excited about the show's sort of newfound success in the West. And yeah. and one thing that I we really fixated on was they talk about the um, the raw egg cracked over rice thing. And yes. they suggest that everyone try it. Um, but, <laughs> yes. but because of me and Noel were talking about this, our understanding is that the way pasteurization works in, in America, it's not really <laughs> like as safe to oh. try here. Oh, that's so sad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really want everyone to try it. If you have like a, like a urban farm in your community, mm. like go straight to the farmer and get an egg and try it. It's so good. It's really good. It's really I would good. Just be, I'd be scared to try it with an ordinary egg from like Safeway. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I don't know. I do it. I'm fine. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah. I, think we're, I, mean, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> I think some of the squeamishness around like salmonella in America is slightly overblown. I've definitely had a lot of like, <laughs> raw cookie dough in my life and I'm not dead. So that's yeah, true. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Try it once. I mean, with the advance of uh, Western medicine, you're probably not going to die immediately. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> you might. You will probably survive. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's a, uh, here's a question from uh, Special Shinin on Twitter who asks: Is there a certain tension or atmosphere that you find sometimes difficult to translate? Tension or atmosphere? Like when the housemates are having awkward moments? Yeah. Um, not really. It's actually more, it's easier to translate when the characters are more honest with their feelings. Mm. Um, really, for me, the hardest thing is just when people talk over each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my biggest gripe. <laughs> and then everything else, there are different ways that you can approach it, but there's always a solution. Gotcha. To the communication, yeah, mm. and I'm not I'm not really afraid of those moments because I would rather the viewer be able to um, empathize with the character, so I want to make that moment as honest as possible, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't make me uncomfortable in any particular way. The thing that makes me uncomfortable is like the tone of how the Japanese view women is still kind of misogynistic. Mm. And that does come across sometimes. And so, especially when there's like raunchy jokes or when they're so fixated on their appearance, that does make me cringe Mm. and I have to translate it. It's interesting having both of you here for this conversation because there's, there's so much nuance that I absolutely lack on the the Japanese side of this, that like hearing you commiserate over what a specific term means and the, (laughs) the inferences of that is, is too super interesting to me. (laughs) Yeah, and I apologize to the audience because there are no subtitles for this medium. So. <laughs> Sorry, I hope you speak Japanese. <laughs> That's true. It's hard. You can't subtitle a podcast, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, one question that I, I got uh, that I thought was was interesting um, was about a specific moment. Uh, so, so the last one that Noelle and I watched was episode nine, Girl Fight, um, mm-hmm. which has kind of that big explosive blow up between Risako and Haruka. And yeah. uh, Hello Neat on Twitter. Uh, he's also, that's, he's, I know this guy. He's a musician. His music's really good. Um, he asks, uh, the fight between Risiko and Haruka was intense. I'd like to know if you were ever caught off guard by that argument or if anything was left out in the translation. No, it's just like a cattiness between two young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually kind of like laughing to myself, like, oh my gosh, you guys are too serious about this boy. You're too young <laughs> to be caught up on this boy. Yeah. That's something um, that me and Noel kept saying is that it doesn't seem like that ultimately it, that fight barely had anything to do with the guy. It was just, it, it was, it felt like that was uh, the catalyst for a bigger fight about bigger things. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have incompatible personalities and. Mm-hmm. Like if you're living, you're going to run into those people. I guess it was a good experience for them both. The one thing that was difficult with that conversation, Risako says something like, I'm so done with you. And that was the best interpretation I could think about. But um, the actual intent was more like, I'm over your like uh, self-centeredness or, or something like that. And that was kind of tricky to translate. 
Uh, I don't remember the exact phrase right now. Is that when you when the translation said I'm done with your victim narrative? Yes, yes, that one. That was a tricky one for me to translate. I wasn't quite sure how to express it. Yeah, because that line came I up again. That, a few times. that line came up again later. Yeah. Like Yamachan repeats it word for word during the, the panel yes, scene. Yes, it's a pretty harsh thing that she said, and I wanted to portray that accurately, but I'm not sure I landed it completely. I, with I that mean, point. it felt really harsh to me. To, yeah. Okay. It, yeah. <laughs> I also, there's another line in that scene. I'm maybe watching that scene again in another tab right now. <laughs> um, but there's a scene where Risako uh, says that uh, Haruka is being a goody two-shoes. And I was desperate to know what the what the literal translation of that was and how you landed on the phrase goody two-shoes. Uh, she was, uh, so I guess Risako is saying she's being prissy. She's trying to appear like she's perfect. Um, and if mm-hmm. I had more words to explain that, I could say that to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I only have like 16 characters to work with. Um, right. So, right. So Goody, t- yeah, that was another one I was hoping, like, I hope this gets across. Yeah, it did. I mean, I, again, like, yeah, I, it, it totally communicated what it needed to, I think, in that scene. Like, it, a Goody Two-Shoes is somebody who's trying to appear uh, like they're extremely good. The subtext being that maybe they're not as good as they're trying to come across. So yeah. I think that was, yeah. that was the right phrase. That That's why that conversation was so funny to me because they both were just uh, exposing each other's darkest secrets. <laughs> yeah, the that smoking like, and... Wow. <laughs> they Like, yeah, that was a, that was a nasty, nasty fight. Um, yeah. But then it, it, it gives you insight into how much is not shown on the show. Mm-hmm. because it is edited to a certain degree right. and then there's a lot happening in the backgrounds and it was it was interesting to see that between them totally i love that episode a lot because it felt very reflective on the nature of the show and like there's even mm-hmm. some stuff later in the same episode about um yamachan makes the half joking suggestion that kenny is on the show to promote his musical career for example like mm-hmm. he probably was yeah and- <laughs> yeah probably yeah He's he's one of my least favorite characters, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually something that I was thinking about before we had this conversation. Was like how how hard is it? Because because we were talking about the best way to do this interview, and we were either going to do this interview or have you discuss an episode with us. But part of me was like, mm-hmm. I I wonder what Angie's comfort level is with having and expressing opinions about members of the cast. Because I, I imagine on some level you also feel a lot of pressure to remain. Uh, objective and neutral, at least in in how you approach the localization and translation. Oh, definitely. Like the subtitles reflect exactly, or I try to reflect what the characters are saying to portray the story as truthfully as possible. But as I'm doing mm-hmm. that, I'm screaming a lot of opinions to my computer screen. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's definitely <laughs> happening. Yeah, it, it's not it's like, impossible for it not to. Yeah, I mean, I I also like the show. I watch it like from the earlier iterations of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm just another audience member. Um, But I want everyone else to have their own experience too. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I imagine like there's one half of your brain. That's the Terrace house fan half that is enjoy like Mm -hmm. processing it and having opinions on it. But then there's also another part of your brain that is translating it. And you're trying to tap into that when you're, when you're putting these subtitles to paper. Yeah, I mean, I'm working with an episode right now where there, it's kind of like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Um, I can tell you about it when we're not recording because I don't think it's out yet, but there's the title of it and then the subject matter of the episode just makes me groan. And I'm like, ah, so like sometimes I'm sloshing through information like that that I don't really want to be dealing with. Like what, what about it? Yeah. Uh, so if I get into it, oh, like, I see. <laughs> yeah, but I can tell you later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious what the, um, so when the episodes land in your lap, I, I'm curious mm-hmm. how far along they are. I mean, I assume that they're edited and that they're done from that, from a production perspective. Is there music on them? Like how does, how does your experience um, of watching the show differ from ours? So I, when I receive the video it has like a watermark on it so it doesn't look exactly like the finished piece Mm -hmm. and sometimes Mm -hmm. the music is not finished yet Mm -hmm. so uh, it's not always a complete version of the show Mm -hmm. and I guess just for a schedule's sake like the subtitles have to happen as the show is being completed yeah that makes sense right yeah it makes sense Mm -hmm. it's I ask about the music because uh 
we, me and Noel have recently realized how different the music is between the Japanese and the the North American release. Like, uh, I believe. Yeah, I've in, never heard the Japanese version. Wait. Oh, really? You've never heard the Japanese version of the music? Yeah, I only see the global version, so I've never heard the Japanese version's music. Whoa, that's so interesting. Because your subtitles end up getting applied to the Japanese version if you log into a Japanese Netflix account. See, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, like part of part of what's been uh, exciting about this season for, for Noelle and I is that the episodes are getting a weekly release in Japan, and we're able, uh, when, we, when we catch up, to watch in real time with the Japanese audience because we... Um, We'll just use like a VPN to watch uh, through our American Netflix accounts and it lets you see the Japanese version. And what's interesting is that the Japanese version, I guess for licensing reasons, is able to license like very, very famous. Like, for example, the theme song for Boys and Girls in the City was a Taylor Swift song in Japan. Yeah, I think that was the same in the US, too. Or at least that was the version that I was dealing with. Interesting. So I guess I, I don't know which version you have then, because there'll often be music with English lyrics in the American version. But that's also true in the Japanese version. It's just that it tends to be, in our estimation, like way more famous, like the, the 1975 and like mm-hmm. uh, other. Like they're able to license big artists, I think, that oh, you can in the U.S. because of, you know, probably cost. So you guys aren't listening to churches? We, we actually are. Because, so, yeah. So it sounds like you're getting the Japanese version then because the church's song oh. is the theme song in Japan. But in America, it's replaced with this honestly pretty bad, like auto-tuned pop punk song that. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. yeah. If you log in with your American Netflix account, if you have one and, and watch it, all the music is yeah. different. And not just the theme song, but like all of the, the backing tracks to certain scenes will be totally different. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I have not noticed. Okay, cool. <laughs> I guess it makes sense that you wouldn't notice because you don't really need to watch it on Netflix since you already watched it like two months ago and translated it for everyone. Yeah. I do when I have time because it's a different feel, like it's actually finished and polished, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll have friends that want to watch it and that's fun. Mm. Uh, or, or other times, like, I would have forgotten what happened in that episode, and I'll go back to recap. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Do do your parents watch Terrace House? Or, like, it's pre- very famous in Japan, right? Yeah. I don't... My mom might start watching it now, but I don't think she's a huge fan. <laughs> Are your friends in Japan, like, fascinated by the fact that you translate for it? I think they just found out now that my name is on the new episode. Okay. Yeah. Prior to that, it was just kind of like, "Oh, that's cool." (laughs) (laughs) But now you're like getting messages from people who notice your name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, now I like announce it on Facebook, like, "Hey, it's out!" And people are like, "No way!" And I was like, "I've been telling you. I've already been telling you." (laughs) Have have any of your friends here in, in the states gotten into it because of you? Like, have you shown the show to people or recommended it to anyone? Hopefully. Hopefully now people are tuning in. Like I, I was talking about it with opening new doors, but I'm also not offended if people aren't into it because I don't know. Do your own thing. <laughs> I feel like it's a very, it's a very niche thing. Like it's kind of slow paced and it's very. They talk about mundane things, so I understand that some people might not be into it. Um, mm. Like I said, I just do it more so that people can. If they want to, they have something to point to to understand Japan's culture. And that's really the reward for me. I think it is like a perfect introduction to Japanese culture, though, in the sense that they're not trying to push any agenda. They're not trying to like teach anything specific. It's just like a very natural view of it. So that's also yeah. cool. You know what's interesting? When, when, uh, when Boys and Girls in the City got added to Netflix in North America, the person who recommended it to me framed it in a way that I thought was really interesting as somebody who has been to Japan like five or six times. Um, they were mm-hmm. like, an interesting thing about this show that, that, I, that, I, that I never would have noticed is that it gives Americans who visit Japan a rare opportunity to see Japanese people interacting with each other without a foreigner in the room, which is something I, I guess I'd never seen before, right? Like, I, I've never, I'd, it'd be impossible for me to know what that's like because I'm inherently warping the, the vibe of every room I walk into in Japan by being a foreigner in the room. And people are like speaking English with me and being really generous with the fact that I don't know Japanese. And so it's kind of that perspective is something that I would never have access to without this show. 
interesting i've never thought of that (laughs) what i do find like going off of that i'm like semi foreigner like i speak japanese but it's not like the lingo everyone uses and stuff is when i go out with a group of japanese people in japan they kind of cater to me in terms of like language and like nuance but then if we get drunk like the more and more people get drunk the less they care. And then I slowly not start to, I don't understand anything anymore. Like, what's their own oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it can be like that when I'm with friends from, like, a elementary school or middle school, like, friends that I grew up with. Um, but I hope that Japan gets to a place where, like, like half the kids like us are more normalized. Because still, yeah. when I go back to visit, like even within the span of a week, like 40 or 50 times, people will tell me, oh, your Japanese is great, which kind yeah. of feels like the equivalent of like, you're so articulate, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of annoying to deal with. <laughs> you're like, I grew up here. Like I was born here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll tell them like, I'm a Japanese person and it just, it doesn't compute for them. Yeah. No, that's definitely very prominent there. It's- it's kind of I've I've had this uh, experience before where I'll go to Japan with like like I went with a with a girlfriend who was was uh, half Japanese and the thing that was weird about it for us it was her first time there was every situation that I walked into everybody assumed I spoke no Japanese and and would always assume that she spoke at least some mm-hmm. and. So in a lot of situations, when I when someone tried to communicate with me, but they were, they didn't speak English, they would try to speak Japanese to her. Like I think <laughs> yeah. she was she got like uh, like scouted in Harajuku, and some some guy walked up to her and asked her in in Japanese if she had representation, and then asked her if she spoke Japanese in English, and she said no, and then asked me last if I spoke any Japanese, and I said no, and then they kind of walked away. <laughs> Somebody made a video sketch about this, right? The thing that perplexes me is that um, when I'm there, sometimes I'll ask for, like, which train should I ride? Like, or, like, where's the Shinkansen entrance or something? And I'll ask, I asked a person in Japanese, and he tried to answer me in broken English. <laughs> and I kept, I kept asking him, like, and I told him, like, Japanese is fine. You can speak Japanese. And he kept trying to speak to me in English. Wow. Uh, it just blew so my mind. That's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So things like that still happen quite often because it is such a like homogenous culture. But do you find that there's a, a generational per, uh, component to that? Like, do younger people do that less often than older people? I think younger people are more open to the idea of globalization and the, that there are multicultural kids um, more than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But because of how we've been socialized in that culture, I think it's still hard for them to kind of grasp it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's coming along, but mm-hmm. the Japanese kind of have a long way to go. Yeah. It definitely is changing. It's moving in the, in the right direction for sure. Um, I've got a, a couple, some final questions that, that people submitted that I, I think are, are pretty good. Sure. Um, here is one from Plants of the Office on Instagram who asks, are you tempted to translate people you like more charitably? <laughs> um, well, no, I'm just kind of a neutral party. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, I favor the studio audience. I, I empathize with them more. And so I want to make sure that their jokes really come across and their references are understood. So I guess in that sense, yeah. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Because because I guess the, the issue would be if you if you didn't translate, you, you kind of have to translate the the scene prior to the the peanut gallery scene or, or the scene prior to the panel scene in such a way that what they say will make sense. I never thought about that before. I mean, I have the ability to go back and forth in the episode and edit different right. parts to make it cohesive. Mm. Um, so I'm just really trying to make sure that the episode comes across as it was intended. Gotcha. Um, mm. Here's a question from Common Writer Mimi, um, who asks, uh, what is your approach to translating lines that can be interpreted in multiple ways? For example, Risako saying Tsukiyate towards Ruka in the, late, the latest season. Uh huh. I think I translated that as "be my boyfriend," right? Yes. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get that. And 
But so the the question is because that could be interpreted as like, can we date or? Yeah, I think Noel, when you were explaining that line, you said that it there was a little bit more ambiguity to it than than I might have assumed at first blush, right? Like it, it wasn't as straightforward as like be my. Well, I felt like it wasn't as straightforward as saying like be my boyfriend. It was kind of like a more casual way to throw it in, is how I interpreted it directly in Japanese. Yeah. I guess so. Well, I think. When I thought about her intention in that moment is that she wanted this boy, right? Like she wanted him. And so I wanted to make it a little more extreme to sell that moment. Mm. Um, so for me, like I, I'm not really thinking about the the meaning of the phrase itself. I'm more so thinking, what is this character trying to portray? What's their intent? And yeah, I mean, that's like the final moment of yeah. the episode. It's almost treated in the edit like a cliffhanger. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, it's kind of important, I think, that that moment lands in a way that feels as impactful to the English speaking audience as it would to the Japanese audience who has the context for what she's really saying, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And going back to kind of like, I was reflecting on what you were saying about kind of like growing up Hafu in Japanese and like, you know, when the guy at the train station just wanted to speak English to you and stuff. Like, like I didn't, I didn't spend like my high school life in Japan, but like when I did live there as a Hafu person, obviously people don't see me as I'm like a citizen as well of Japan, but they don't see me as that. And then like when Mm -hmm. I'm in the States, like I'm, you know, I being like multicultural, you also feel like you're so Japanese in the States. So it's weird Mm -hmm. to go to Japan and you don't feel like Japanese when you're there. Um, Yeah. it's more prominent now that I'm an adult and I, I guess I'm not hanging around with my mom as much or like a Japanese group of friends. And I'm just mm-hmm. like out about town solo. And then I'm definitely seen more as a foreigner and it's very weird. Yeah, no, it is very strange to think about. <laughs> Sorry for the tangent, but no, not at all. I, I honestly feel like I would rather just listen to you two talk <laughs> than, than really say anything in this whole conversation. Because I think you two are are I, I'm, maybe our audience doesn't know this, Noel. Your your background exactly, but you've you've lived in Japan and you're you're partially Japanese, but you spend most of your life in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I did grow up very culturally Japanese, like via my mom who raised me. Mm-hmm. So I feel very Japanese compared to my American peers. Right, right. But then when I lived in Japan, you know, I don't know all the cultural nuances like to the extent that people that grew up there do. So it's like a weird in-between. And then there's a third layer of obfuscation on there because of the whole Hawaii component. Like occasionally you'll use slang words <laughs> in front of me or in text messages where I'm just like, what does shoots mean? And yeah, and growing up in Hawaii, like Hawaii has its own culture that's completely separate from the rest of America as well. So there's just like yeah. so many layers of like not belonging, but also having like a lot of homes mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. 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 And actually you do belong like in America. That's kind of the fabric is like America doesn't really have its roots in a certain culture. It's yeah. kind of a mishmash. So in that sense, we do kind of belong in this culture, and yet it's still kind of uncomfortable. So it's a really interesting existence, but I wouldn't trade it. It's given me the opportunity to see the world in a very um, like open-minded way. I would agree. Yeah, no, I'm very grateful for that experience. It's yeah. just interesting to reflect on it with someone who also may have like had a similar experience. I think it's more mind. common than we think. Yeah, and- yeah, and the conversations around this are just starting. I, I I think it would be interesting to gather more people like this and have more like visibility like on YouTube or whatnot or mm-hmm. um because that the third culture Definitely. children are like Dabudu instead of Hafu. It's not really talked about very often. Yeah, no, it's not. And there's a lot of feelings that haven't been discussed and introduced to I think the rest of maybe the Japanese community as well. Can you, for for my sake and for the sake of the audience, ex- explain those two terms? I know what hafu means, but if you could explain that and and doburu, doburu, yeah. So hafu it just means like you're half Japanese and half something else, and it's been applied to multi um, racial or multicultural children in Japan for the longest time. And when I was mm-hmm. smaller, like maybe ten or eleven, I had a couple who was also a mixed race couple, and they said. I don't like to refer to my children as half because it makes them sound like they're half a human or something. And we, we choose to call them double, 
as in their double culture, double identity. Uh. Um, and some people prefer to say that term. Oh. There's a bunch of different terms, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so that's just what that means. Right, because it's not like you're half Japanese. You're, you're technically, you're full Japanese. It's just like your like ethnicity, <laughs> like your blood. Yeah, you're yeah. fully immersed. Yes, you're fully immersed in both cultures, and yet you're not of either culture. So it's this weird in-between yeah, place. Totally. Oh, heavy. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the well of questions one last time before we wrap <laughs> sure. up because I know we've we've taken a lot of your time. But I just this conversation <laughs> has been so fascinating. Thank you so much for for joining us. Of course, it's my pleasure. Alrighty, uh, here's a pretty specific one um, about about cooking. Um, <laughs> JDV says, how do you deal with the food names and types of cooking and choosing when to translate certain dishes and, and versus not? Oh, mm. so if it's something that's specific, well, okay. So I guess it goes back to if it's Googleable or not. Mm. Like when I, go- when I Google Tamago Kake Gohan, it had enough of a following to where if you put that into Google, then you'd be able to find stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone says like, I don't know, tarako or something, that's a little bit harder to understand, I feel like, unless you're just a huge sushi aficionado. Um, so it depends on the ingredient mm. and it depends on the dish and how much, how much, um, how easy it is to research. I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like everybody who's watching Terrace House is is doing it with a with a phone in their hand or in their pocket. Like, if you really want to know more, it's extremely easy to find out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I want you to lock in. I want you to learn something that's new if you haven't been exposed to it. Right. But if you're gonna go look for it and there's not much information available, that's frustrating. Yeah. So we try to um, offer the information that would help you kind of tap into that new knowledge. Gotcha. Um, Ethan Mann says, do you have any, any thoughts on American reality TV? It's been so long since I watched one, but I think mm-hmm. um, they're much more raunchier, right? Like people sleep with each other way quicker. Mm-hmm. And I think the drama is more um, intense. How do I say like, it's more dramatic? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so it's just a different tone. And I'm not sure there, do you guys know of any other reality TV shows that are set in Japan or Asia? Like it's kind of a rare thing in Japan. I would say they, in American reality TV, I feel like they pit people against each other much more. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, like Runway or, or Top Chef or something. There's like much more competition. Um, and I don't know if that's good or bad. I just noticed that there's more fighting. <laughs> there definitely, definitely is. I, I had a friend telling me about just on the subject of it. There's other Japanese reality shows like this. Telling me about this show called Ainori, which is on Netflix. Oh yeah. Um, have you heard of this? Oh my god, that's still going. That that show has been going since I was like in middle school. Really? really? Yeah. I can't believe no, it's that's still going. I've never watched it, but I've seen the trailer like hundreds of times on Netflix. Uh. The way my, my friend described it was he said, it's like a group of seven people, four guys and three girls every time going on a, a road trip in a big pink van with a very, very small allowance of money. So they have to be kind of frugal. And the goal is to find true love. I've watched zero episodes of it, but Noel, if we ever run out of Terrace House episodes, maybe we watch this together. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. It. I feel like the, the characters on that show are much more thirsty. And then as a whole, <laughs> they're set into like more extreme situations. So which mm-hmm. makes it, the situation more dire like yeah. you're pumping these people with adrenaline and then asking them to fall in love which is very <laughs> cruel <laughs> yeah. and there's an odd number of them so somebody's getting left out every time oh my gosh yeah it's pretty awkward is <laughs> a, a lot about friendship too which i think is like not super common in a reality show yeah or like career aspirations yeah yeah that's yeah. true yeah and i think that the, another major difference is the the editing and stuff like American reality TV show just has so many symbol crashes and, and cuts that are a little bit manipulative of the audience to make things feel extremely tense and to have it constantly be like at the maximum volume from a drama perspective. Mm-hmm. Totally. Terrace house is a little more chill in that regard for sure. And then I want to 
I forgot about this and I just remembered what it was when we were talking about the food translations in opening new doors. Um, Yui went to konyaku paku. Konyaku. Uh-huh. Oh, I yeah. Had, yeah. A few friends texted me asking like about konyak and I don't remember the word it was it was translated to but they're all like I want to try this <laughs> yeah I think it was translated like konyak like the alcohol oh really um, <laughs> yeah which is like when I typed it and then sent it off to reviewing when it came back it was changed into that so something oh. <laughs> something was decided decided it was a really that's a really me. weird word to translate though <laughs> yeah because it doesn't yeah, sound like, Japanese Chinese yam jelly? Like, how do you express that? (laughs) Oh my God, Noel, that reminds me. We should ask about, um, at one point, and this might be something that I don't, I'm trying to remember the exact wording. There was a uh, Korean word that wound up showing up in the subtitles. Oh. What was the food? Like, samugyopsaru? It was it was like yeah uh, like kongi or something right oh when they made okayu oh instead of like saying like rice porridge or like okayu they use like the Korean word kongi mm. well to my understanding that also like in the states some people will refer to it as kongi mm-hmm. or kanji oh, um yeah so yeah I think it was also a matter of like is it Googleable. Ah, yeah. Oh, like what's the most Googleable term for it? And it was kanji, probably. And it's also yeah. like a uh, it, kind of a bon appetit situation where in in North America, the most common word for it is actually a loan word from another language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Because <laughs> rice porridge would just be kind of too broad. Yeah, there would be too many variations of it. That's uh. true. Because like, globally, different like countries have different versions of rice porridge. Yeah, it's uh. cool to have answers to these questions that me and Noel have been asking each other for, for the past nine episodes. Like, yeah, ask me anytime. For sure. Um, but yeah, Angie, I don't, we've already burned a whole hour of your weekend. So I, I think we'll let you go, but, okay. um, but thank you so, so much for your time. It's been like an absolute blast talking to you and getting your insight into, into how one of our favorite shows is made. Yeah. It's fascinating. This is so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun to listen to you guys following the show and your input as well. For sure. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's just a huge honor to talk to somebody without whom this show couldn't exist the way it exists today. Like you're, thank you so much for even translating the show because yeah, like, thank you for that. Your voice is, is the perfect voice, I think, to, to do a show like this. And it's a, it's a minor miracle that you accidentally fell into this job that seems like a perfect fit for your, your skills. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, guys. I'm usually just like in a dark room translating <laughs> these episodes without any feedback. So it's so great to hear that. <laughs> You're improving so many lives with your translation. Seriously, yeah. Truly. Okay, that, that might be a bit too much. That's overblown. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>